Introducing the Corner Booth, a football podcast covering the latest trends and news in college football and the NFL. Here are your hosts, Jared and Mark. Welcome in, folks, to a very hoarse-voiced host of the Corner Booth podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Well, you're listening to us on TuneIn, iTunes, Spotify. Thank you for joining us. We have a big show today. NBA trade deadline just hit. We have our boy Jack O'Hara from the 5050 Booking Podcast joining us later. And, of course, we just have a bunch of news. And, of course, Harper and Machado still haven't signed. Update number 15 in that story. So let's get to it. Mark, the hell has happened the last 24, 48 hours? I don't know what it is about the trade deadline for basketball, but they literally wait till the deadline. I don't know what it is. I mean, everyone bitching and moaning about football season being over. Who cares? Basketball is a full <laughs> swing. Anthony Davis didn't even get traded, and that didn't even like it. matter. Like, here's the thing. So, I'll refer. I'll, I'm going to bring this up later. But Anthony Davis is still a Pelican, and there's a couple things we're going to. Of course, I refer to it in the when we do the report card with Jack about the Celtics opening up their entire roster. But <clears throat> here's the thing to me that cracks me up about the whole deadline. I love the Tobias Harris trade between Philly and L.A. because both teams got what they wanted. L.A. got future picks for the future, and Philly got a ultimatum for Jimmy Butler which is going to help them because they're not going to keep Butler. Butler's gone. It's going to be it's going to be Embiid, Harris, and, and uh, Simmons, and I will love that team. That is a great team to root for. And, and Mark, I've told you this multiple times, the team I root for besides the Timberwolves is your Sixers because I've always loved Embiid and I've always loved Simmons. So, like, the fact that Jimmy Butler went there kind of hurt me a little bit, but it's okay. But – like we even have thought, we have Thon Maker going to Detroit. We have Stanley Johnson in re- return. We had Nick Stauskas going to three different fucking teams. The poor in kid day. in one day. In one day, he's the tenth overall have, pick. And you know what cracks me up is like with all these minor picks and Harrison Barnes got traded while he was on a fucking while he's playing the game, man. That's insane to me. But see, everyone blames the organization for that. And as much as you want to, and like LeBron, your favorite human being, was like saying how it's fucked up, even though he's been thrown, like his whole team hates him because he pretty much said he wants to trade him. But like the media is the one like that does that. Well, I mean, right. here's what I think about gonna t- I'm not going to turn down an all trade offer. Oh, well, he's playing. Let's wait uh, until the game's over and then we'll make it uh, official. No, because you never know what could happen. Yeah, like, like. Somebody can come up like, oh, Harrison Barnes' girlfriend said he has this disease or whatever. Like, I don't even know. Like, the thing is, like, I want Harrison Barnes my boy because he's a Tar Heel. But the thing is, like, honestly, that's just how it could crumbles. But somebody should have said something to him. But listen, LeBron, shut the hell up. You already ruined your team. Don't ruin somebody else's. Who did the Mavs trade him to again? I can't remember at this point. The Kings. They got uh... my boy, Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson, and it was I don't know. I'll tell you in twenty seconds, but I don't know off the top of my head. So De'Aaron Fox is getting another guy to play with, and I kind of like. You know what's so funny? 
if you go down through the Zach west, Randall. Zach, Zach Randolph. Randolph. I knew somebody it was a veteran. So he's literally just going to be there and probably be his last year. Zach Randolph's been playing basketball. God. Okay, so here's a funny story. Like, as you all know, I love NBA Street. I was playing NBA Street Volume 3. I finally beat it. So, you know who was in my game? Zach Randolph. It's from, that's from the 0405 season. Mm. That's, what, 13 years ago now? That game I was playing on my OG Xbox is 13 years old. 15. Zach Randolph's a dinosaur. But the thing is, with the, with the, uh, I, I I feel bad that we're getting off topic, but the thing is with the uh, with this trade, LeBron, shut, one, shut the hell up. I hate you. Shut the up, please. This is one thing me and Dave Portnoy always agree on, is that I hate you. You've ruined the NBA for me because you're not LeBron. You'll never, you're not Jordan. You'll never be Jordan. Yeah, some of your shoes are cool, but I'm not. You're not gonna look iconic. You're kind of a bitch, and honestly, I'm more afraid of your wife than I am of you. So the thing is. Shut the fuck up. And the thing also, like, I get why the the Mavs maybe should have taken him off the bench. But at the end of the day, like, what are you going to do? Like, it, it, See, it happened mid What happens? What happens if he doesn't get told and he gets hurt? Like, what happens with that trade? Oh, my God. Like, the Kenny Britt situation. Wasn't Kenny Britt supposed to get traded right before he got hurt a couple years ago? And, like, that broke I'm not trade sure, board? but I wonder. I, I don't know what would happen with that. Well, I... I it's that's insane to me. I mean, I would have pulled him from the bench thing I told him he got traded, but that would have left him down. I mean, baseball does it. Yeah, baseball does it all the time. I feel like basketball needs to have an incentive like this, or like a, a like kind of like a system for this. But going forward, I mean, LeBron, shut the fuck up, because that'll lead us to our next topic. Anthony Davis is not a Laker, thank Jesus. Um, LeBron. Did you see who they got in replacement of Anthony Davis? Please tell me you saw all the posts everywhere. It was the it was the one dude had glasses. He, he, he was squinting, couldn't see. It's Anthony Davis fading. Puts his glasses on. Mike Muscala. <laughs> <laughs> so I is, loved it. Okay, so listen, and we're, I'm gonna talk. My last call is about this because my uh, Brian Windhorst, who's been covering LeBron since he came in the league, and I, I kind of with as a journalist, I look at Brian Windhorst kind of with a glass half full kind of approach. Yeah, he kind of rode LeBron's coattails, but ESPN's given this guy a career, and he actually has done some great reporting for them. So I'm going to talk about what he brought up today on on the jump with Rachel Nichols and T-Mac before. But essentially, like, one, Andy Davis is now still a Pelican. So first of all, he's got to play another, like, 42 games with the Pel, 41 games with the Pelicans, and it's going to be ugly. Like, they might lose every single fucking game because now they're not going to give a shit. Because, like, oh, this guy doesn't want to play with us. Well, fuck him. Like, the hell. This is the only this is the thing that cracks me up about professional sports is that when these trend line, these trade deadline deals fall through and there's no deal, so the player has been demanding a trade from the get-go, is still on your team. You know, I'm a guy on the team. I'm like, fuck this guy. Like, he don't want to be with us. I want to give him the ball. I agree. I agree. I agree with that situation. The situation with the Pelicans is tough because Anthony Davis legitimately said he wanted to be traded. Pelicans are smart for not trading him, I think, because they have one. He has two more years left in his contract. He was eligible eligible for an extension after the season. He's going to get traded after the season's over. Like it's fine. But he's going to have way more. They're going to have way more options. They also didn't get bullied into trading him to the Lakers, which I respect. The whole 
I mean, yeah, that's what the. I mean, Anthony Davis doing that, he doesn't give a shit about the teammates around him. But honestly, if I'm the Pelicans players, like you're, like all these young guys, like step up. Like I don't know, even use like I would. You at, at being a young player on a Pelicans team, you can't just sit back and be like, oh, guys want to play with us. No, fucking play your ass off. Use Anthony Davis while he's in there and earn your spot on that, either the Pelicans or another team in the future. I don't know. It's just, play the game. That's all I'm saying. I, I completely hear you. And the thing is with me, I look at it from like, I, you know, both of us are ex-athletes. Both of us played in high school. In high school. The thing is to me, like, if I if I heard a guy who's like, you know, I don't want to be part of this anymore, I lose trust in him because, like, how's he have my back? And this affects everybody. Like, it's not like, you know, you had all these teams making these ridiculous offers for Anthony Davis. And I'm kind of just like, okay. You know, you know what's so weird about this whole tr- situation? It kind of almost felt like there was something wrong. Like, I almost like, wait, there's something missing from here. Like, there's not a clear-cut trade. Like, yeah, the Lakers were out these ridiculous blockbuster, like, level players. But... It does not sound like the Pelicans want it. And the fact that the media is pushing towards it, I think the NBA is going – like, I talked about this a couple episodes ago. And you all, if you haven't seen it, I talked about the NBA is going to go into culture shock soon because the second LeBron leaves, that the, the, they're going to go through a complete restart. It's going to go back to the days of Kobe, Garnett, T-Mac, where it was a very balanced system and the, and the league worked before LeBron kind of took over. and. Now you're starting to see it, and I, I'm going to talk about this a little more in length. I don't want to go too much into it for my last call. But all I got to say with the trade deadline is my winners right now are the Clippers, the Sixers. I love what the um, I love what the Bucks got for Thon Maker. And, and they also just got Nikola uh, Miritich too. Yeah, exactly. So I, I I like those three teams. They made the best out of the deadline. And they're not even teams everyone's talking about. And I honestly, I love the trade between the the uh, the Mavericks and the Kings because the Kings got a guy in Harrison Barnes who's not a bad player by any stretch to work with Harris to work with De'Aaron Fox, who's a young core. I love Justin Jackson going to the Mavs because now they have more uh, another scoring threat to go along with their new core they're building with Porzingis and Luca. So I, I, those are my four teams at one, five, honestly. Well, we're forgetting about news that is very near and dear to my heart. You mentioned the Sixers. Markel, brainwashed, <laughs> mentally unstable Fultz, is out of Philadelphia. And I wish him the best, but also wish him the worst. Because if he goes to Orlando, which is Dwight Howard is the only person that can make Orlando good, or Penny Hardaway, or Shaq, whatever. But or Tracy McGrady. Or Tracy, but if he goes there and fixes that damn shoulder and his lights out, I will be bitter. But to get a first round protected from OKC, I think it's will probably be like a twentieth pick or something. Second round, and Jonathan Simmons, who played well when he was on the Spurs with like good pieces around him. He can be a bench player, I don't give a shit. I will take it. I don't know why the magic did it, but I'll take it. I think the magic see what Fultz can be. And I feel they have like, time. They have time. And, and the thing is that also him getting out of Philadelphia is great because one, he doesn't have to deal with that horrible human being, which is Jimmy Butler. Two, like I, I feel like with him, it's a better situation because you know 
Yeah, they gave up a couple players, but at the end of the day, what are they really like? I I think this works for both teams. One, the Sixers get rid of that headache first round first overall pick, and then two, the Magic get a possible. I mean, it could be another. They said it was a low risk, high ceiling, which I get. Could be like another Anthony Davis to the Timberwolves kind of. I mean, um, Anthony Bennett to the Timberwolves kind of situation, but. Um, and the other thing is, there's the another trade that was pretty big deal, and I think a team that just made a big move was Marcus Sol going to the Raptors. Wow. That one I missed. And you did, yeah. He got traded for uh, Delon Wright, Valanciunas, somebody else, and like a pick. You know, you know what's so funny? Giannis Valanciunas has been there since like I was a little kid. Yeah, since they were like purple. Since like, they were that still wear, not that since, red. Like, Chris like, Bosh is like second year. He was their first overall pick. Like I remember it because I could never pronounce his name. I knew his first name was Giannis. That's all I knew, but. So Marcus Saul, like, okay, so let me let me put this team together. Marcus Saul at the center, who gives a crap at small, uh, at shooting guard. And, oh, and then you throw in Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, oh, and Serge Ibaka. Holy mother of God, that team is nasty. And I think they they just traded Greg Monroe to the Nets. The, the the returns not didn't come back yet, but I'm sure they're gonna. I mean, they're doing whatever it takes to to probably make Kawhi happy. Well, I mean, you know, if they're the Raptors, why not? Because Kawhi is so weird that he may like Toronto, being the center of attention with Kawhi with uh, Kyle Lowry being his his sidekick, and like his secondaries being Gasol and like it like Toronto. So Toronto is. Canada's New York, so it's not. Listen, if honestly, if I had to move to Canada, Toronto's would be the city I'd pick. And it, honestly, it's the weather is pretty similar to New York, so I wouldn't give a shit either. But the thing is, if I'm Kawhi and the and the Raptors have shown they want to make the moves to keep me happy, I would stay there. I would do it in a heartbeat. Be the face of Canada. Fuck it. Be Vince Carter 2.0. But instead of like leaving and going to New, getting traded to New Jersey. Stay there and bring the Raptors the Eastern Conference title, possibly take them to the finals. Because this team, now with Marcus Saul, I would definitely pick them as the Eastern Conference favorite. Yeah, I, I think it's I think the it's gonna be the Raptors still the favorite because they're already in the lead. And then you got Bucks, Sixers battling for second, and then whoever obviously doesn't get that. I think the Celtics Boston third. But I'm still saying the scariest team is going to be Boston in the playoffs. That's just my opinion. I, but, I still think Toronto is is going to be the Eastern Conference final representative. I think if it if that's the case, then man, Kawhi Leonard just made uh, uh, Demar Derozan just look like garbage. Well, here's the thing about Demar Derozan. I always looked at him like a B plus star. Like he always like was looked like he was missing something, and this just proves my point. Yeah, he just couldn't be the guy. He can't play defense. Kawhi is a lockdown defender who can shoot and play inside. Case closed. Yeah, and then back real quick, circling way back to the beginning, we were talking about LeBron and how you were talking about AD and how the guys don't want to play over them anymore. If I'm, and I kind of mentioned it with the guys that are younger, if I'm the Lakers players, I'm not going to be not buddy buddies with LeBron. I'm not going to suck up to him. 
But I'm going to go out there and try to play my best basketball because say, oh, wow, maybe this dude actually can play. I won't try to get rid of him. All right. Well, I have more theory on that later. But, of course, we got more stuff to talk about. We got baseball with Jack O'Hara coming up a little bit. But first, Mark, your Phillies landing JT Real Moto. How happy are you right now? I'm pumped. I can't like it's been a long time since the Phillies have had a good catcher since good old Chooch back in I guess it's been a little over ten years now. Um, and and the, uh, he can. Alex focus at home. Who? Who are you referring to? Carlos Ruiz. There you go. Yeah. Sorry for non-Philly people who don't know who Chooch is. But, yeah, I didn't know either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I didn't even think about it. But I'm 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 pumped. I'm pumped. We got rid of Sixto Sanchez. It's supposed to be. This insane pitcher, very young talent. Uh, we got rid of Jorge Alfaro, who was our catcher, who was really great arm, quick pop time, could slug a little bit, but he just wasn't what we wanted. Now we got JT, hopefully bring a little Bryce Harper in, because Bryce Harper is a big fan of uh, JT Romoto. So I don't know, man. It was big news. I just hope Bryce follows the, the lead. Uh, you know what? It's so interesting with me. I um, I love the move. I'm I'm happy Ramoto got out of Miami because that Jared Jeter, he has some plan for that squad, and I just I'm I'm hoping like five years the Marlins are good again because, I mean, you really can't hate a team that comes out of Miami. And two. Oh sure you can. Oh shut up. Your yours better. But Dude, um, half the people in the world don't like Miami other than you. <laughs> I love that city, man. It's beautiful. Um, so I mean, I, I I like the move for you guys, and I just I, I the Harper. We didn't thing, give up enough, for in my opinion. I know, and the Harper thing is still perplexing me, man. I yeah, can't we, figure it out. We definitely dive in that with that with Jack, even though he has. Even though the podcast he has through Belly Up is fifty-fifty booking, he has another podcast where he focuses on baseball. And the man knows he's talking about, and he doesn't even know what the hell's going on with this Machado and Harper situation. Exactly. So right now, we're going to welcome in our boy, host of the, as Mark referred to, the host of the 50-50 Booking Podcast, talk to wrestling. The guy just brought Jerry Carabs from Barstool on last week. This host the O Show. We're going to bring Jack O'Hara next. All right, we are welcoming in baseball writer, host of the 50-50 Booking Podcast, our boy Jack O'Hara. Jack, how you doing? Pretty good, guys. How about yourselves? Pretty good, pretty good. All right, Jack. So we are doing our second uh, run of Pull Up a Stool. We're doing a little report card action, then we'll talk a little baseball afterward. So, fellas, open up the the floor. First off, today, the 76ers, Mark squad, Got Tobias Harris and a couple of uh, bench players in return for I lost count of how many draft picks and players whose names I didn't even recognize. But so Mark, since you're the Philly guy, let's just start off with it. What the hell is this? It was a lot. There was a lot going on. Uh, You had there was I believe like almost there was two first round picks. One of them was the unprotected Miami pick, which is a pretty solid pick. the Sixers also gave away Landry Shamit, who had showed some promise. Um, and you had Mike Muscala and 
uh, Wilson Chandler, those guys, whatever. Wilson Chandler was a bruiser. Um, but, you I mean, you got Tobias Harris, who's had a great year. You got Boban, one of the biggest, ugliest dudes I've ever seen in my entire life. No offense, Boban. But, and then we have Mike Scott, who I don't even think will be seeing much time. But, I mean, I'm going to give it an A just because, I mean, you got a power four now, and the Sixers needed something. So. All right, Jack, what do you think? You know, it spices things up. I mean, I don't think it really makes whole much of a difference. I mean, they're going to be in the race, obviously, with the Celtics and the Raptors. They're going to be in the mix till the end, hopefully one of the final few teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I mean, again, it didn't really impact much for me. I'll give it a I'll give it a B because I don't think it's going to hurt them in any big way. or I don't think it's going to help them in any big way. Okay. All right. Well, Mark already knows where I'm going with this because my hatred of super teams, but um, I'm giving it a B minus only because there's one basketball, and as long as you still have Jimmy Butler on your team, you know you're going to struggle with team chemistry. I mean, it could work, I, but the thing is that the lack of depth that they have now scares the living daylights out of me. Yeah. I see what a lack of depth does to teams in the postseason. It can completely dismantle your entire like endurance of a roster. So by game five of a series, your team's gassed and they're getting smoked up and down the court. So I give it a B minus. Yeah, I feel like um, I've I heard that they're gonna try to sign off four and like no shit, but I don't think it's gonna happen in the offseason. But I think everyone I've talked to is making it sound like it's pretty much a bluff for Jimmy Butler and but Tobias is just gonna like be the third guy and then they'll let Butler go just because he's causing so much problems. But I mean I. It's a fantastic four now, dude. We're, we're past the big three. We got a fantastic four. I'm, I'm okay with it. You know what? I, I, I'm, I'm willing to let this one run. But uh, we also have more trade deadline news. Besides, the, the, we could go on a – I can go on for hours about how crappy this Anthony Davis situation has gotten. But apparently today, the desperate and, God, sometimes annoying fan base and city that is Boston, the Celtics have decided – that nobody from Kyrie all the way down to Jason Tatum, everyone's on the table for Anthony Davis. Now, to me, I think this is just a stupid move. So I'll start off. I give this a D, <coughs> bordering on an F. You get him as a half-year rental, possibly trading away some of your best players if they ask for him for the right move. This just doesn't – this comes off as bad business to me. If you want to take yourself as a legitimate franchise in the East, when you have Toronto who's balling out, you have – Philadelphia is just loaded up with even more weapons. You have Milwaukee, who's terrifying as well. Why are you possibly trading away your future and a guy like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or even your cornerstone, Kyrie, for a guy you're going to get possibly half a season and may not even resign? Did he even say he's not going to resign there, Mark? I don't know. You, you caught him. I, he, his dad's been out in the media. He's like <laughs> one of LeVar Ball saying like he didn't want him to go to Celtics or whatever. Stay but. in your lane. <laughs> But, yeah, you can uh, go next on this one, Jack. Yeah, I think a while back Kyrie uh, committed to Boston saying that he'd re-sign, but I think <laughs> since then things have changed. Uh, it's looking like a potential uh, Knicks uh, unite with, like, uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving could take place. Who knows Anthony Davis at this point? I know he said he wanted to go to L.A., join forces with LeBron. Who knows? He bought that humongous house out there. I don't know if you guys have seen pictures of it. Just insane. Um, to me, the Celtics, though, going into this season, once LeBron left the Eastern Conference, once he left Cleveland, moves over to L.A., I think the Celtics believed, as well as many other uh, fans in the NBA believe, 
they were the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. I feel like they're at this point in the season, they're very disappointed being behind Toronto and Milwaukee at this point. At the end of the day, I, I see them facing off against Golden State in the NBA Finals. They're not going to win, but I see them facing off in the NBA Finals. Again, uh, saying that they trade just about anybody on the roster for Anthony Davis, not surprising. I mean, it, it'll take at least one of those guys. It'll be one of those guys, some draft picks, who knows? It won't be a chunk of those guys. Uh, but for me, I give this – I'll I'll go with C. It's a stupid comment, but at the same time, anything can happen in the NBA. It's been proven. Yeah. I'm going to go with a D because, one, I don't understand. Like, the Celtics have a lot of talent. And when it comes time to playoffs, <laughs> like, I can see them having the same type of magic they had last year. I don't really think they need to get a guy like AD. I mean, yes, it'd be nice to have an AD, but it's not worthy losing one, not maybe two. At worst, three. You never know after what the Pelicans were freaking trying to get out of the Lakers. But it just doesn't make sense to me. And Danny Ainge is usually a genius when it comes to this stuff. For him to come out and say this, there has to be some type of psychological thing I'm assuming going on behind it. Because if not, he looks like he's desperate, and Danny Ainge is not one to look desperate. So like I said, give him a D. Don't know what's going on. All righty. So next up, we knew this was all coming, folks. You know, we, talk, we talked about it for length on Monday. Time to grade the Super Bowl. We were whole, I would hold my ammunition on this one all week. I'm going to start off. For, all right. First off, I give the Super Bowl a D minus. <clears throat> Listen, yeah, I love defense. One. I asked Mark this running the football and defense, my bread and butter. I played offensive defensive line. I thought quarterbacks drove me crazy. That Chiefs uh, Rams game in November made me, made me want to puke. I miss the old days when like safeties could actually hit the receivers. But, but. <laughs> The Patriots won. There's the first. <laughs> Two. There was no offense besides the Sony Michelle Mike Tolbert style touchdown where he could have fallen into the end zone. And three. God, it was just so slow. The punters were the most productive group on that field because some of those punts were masterful to quote for the brand for Pat McAfee. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, to a guy like me. It was like watching somebody pull a small needle out of my leg. I'm like, this is painful to watch. Because, one, it's not even like I can root for the Rams. I mean, the Rams are all right. But, like, my, the only player I root, like on that team, Todd Gurley, barely touched the ball. So, you're not even getting star power. And then, two, on offense, Brady looked fucking useless for most of the game. So, how the hell are you supposed to, like, enjoy that as a fan? And that'll lead us into the topic after this. But, to me, the NFL, like did kind of take a hit because of all the bullshit about the New Orleans fans crying and whining about, oh, my God, we got robbed. This didn't help because this game, the game was fucking awful. So I give it a D minus. We give our host, our, our, our guest, Jack, the next one up. What do you got, Jack? So um, not to go full Trey Wingo on this. <laughs> Oof, nice transition. Right? Like, you could tell that that entire promo was scripted. Um, but to me, obviously Brady sucked golf was horrendous and props to Bill Belichick. That was probably (laughs) his greatest coaching performance defensively. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't really control what happens. Obviously both sides of the ball offensively did not play well. Defenses were terrific. Again, 
you this was the first time I believe that Tom Brady actually received good defense from his defenders. I think it was in the last five Super Bowls. I mean, obviously, Super Bowl it was last one was 2004. That was the last one. His defense was like ranked in the top 15, I think. Right, and Super Bowl 51, obviously, 28 points in the first half, or it was 21, I believe. And yeah. then uh, the two Giants Super Bowls let him down in the end. The Seahawks Super Bowl, his defense was letting him down until that final Malcolm Butler interception, which was 100% luck. That play oh, yeah. should, shouldn't have been called. Still, I'm still baffled that Pete Carroll would even do something like that. That throws three inches to the left, and it's a it's a touchdown catch. So yeah, um, but again, either way, to me, like this isn't WWE, and I say that because obviously that's what I talk about here. But <laughs> um, it's not it's entertainment, but it's not scripted. So like to me, they played their hearts out as a Super Bowl. Really can't complain. You were gonna watch it either way. Oh yeah. Obviously, it was the lowest scoring Super Bowl of all time. Probably one of the least entertaining Super Bowls of all time. Uh, I give it a C plus. I mean, it's not worthy of a high grade, but at the same time, they couldn't really control it. Yeah, you. That was very well said. I couldn't disagree with you. I've even listened to the beginning of your uh, Yo Show podcast, and you played every ending to the Super Bowl, which I thought oh, yeah. was pretty clever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like you said, you just even. I only think. <laughs> there was anything remarkable because I one could not hear the announcing, but if you notice everything, every Super Bowl that you listened to and how it ended and the announcing, it was crazy and how they, that game just never felt like I looked at the clock with like four minutes left and I was like, there's no way that we've watched the whole football game already. It's like you could have looked away from the TV and it would probably have been a three and out. I mean, there was only one red zone possession and it was a touchdown. Every other every other part of the game was not in the red zone. The Rams never stepped foot in the red zone. I mean, there was no big plays. There was no high intensity from uh, McVay. I'm going to give it a C, too, just because, like, I would – if you tell me the Super Bowl is going to be exactly like that next year, guess what I'll be doing? I'll be sitting on my ass watching that game. So I give it a C, but it was not (laughs) one that people are going to be going back to me and, like, I need to watch that one. All right. And as Jack alluded to perfectly – we got to talk about Trey Wingo's little uh, explosion on Golik and Wingo yesterday. Or was it was yesterday or was it Monday? It Monday. was a couple days before people heard this. <laughs> yes. Okay, so it was Monday explosion. And um, it, you didn't hear it. You just go on the Twitter account. It's 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 just hilarious. But, Jack, I got to ask you, what do you think about this? Because I've been listening to ESPN Radio since I was like 10 years old. Back in the old days when it was Cowherd, then it was Gottlieb and Dan Patrick and all that other stuff. But what did you, I've never heard a blow up like that on ESPN and it actually end with nobody getting fired. No, I mean, it again, like you said, like 10 years ago, something like that. Unless you're someone like Mad Dog Christopher Russo, you're going to get blown up for it. Somebody's going to, like your producer is going to give you shit for it. Yep. But today, like in today's age, I feel like, in certain aspects, you can say just about anything you want. People are going to be like, oh, freedom of speech. And then there's like the other side of things and like politics and stuff that were like you basically can't say anything without getting shit for it. But in this yeah. case, it it basically came down to obviously there were a lot of people obviously all over Twitter, all over Instagram, whatever. They thought the Super Bowl sucked. But again, like I said before, everybody was going to watch it either way. Everybody wanted to see what the ending was. It's a Super Bowl. Everybody wanted to see whether Tom Brady was going to get a sixth ring or not. If the Rams could pull it off with Jared Goff and Sean McVay. Uh, to me, entertaining, but at the same time, like, 
they went into that scripted. I feel like he was even reading off a script when he was saying it, you know? <laughs> yeah, when you when you watch it live, it does kind of feel like that. He even looks over and he's like, yeah, Jimmy, we'll tell him. And then, go, I mean, Golick at first, I was like, it looked, kind of looked like he was like, oh, shit, like, what is he doing? But oh, then yeah. how it ended even with him, like, oh, and that was blah, 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 presented by blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. I definitely think they definitely – well, Wingo probably was like, I'm about to go off. Just to let everyone know. Like, it wasn't like he just surprised everyone out of the woodwork. <laughs> and, I mean, his producers were laughing again. Uh, Golic, I don't think he was – he was kind of just like, yep. Like, we, I think, like, we rehearsed this. Yep, this is going to work. Younger Golic couldn't keep his shit together. He was losing. Yeah, Golic Jr. I mean, I would be – if you imagine being there, I'd be losing my shit regardless. Well, Mark, you've been on the other side of the microphone when I go explosive, so you tell me how it feels. <laughs> and, it, it's not as bad as that. <laughs> I – so grade wise, I'll give it a B. Uh, I give him props for doing that. I feel like if it was anybody younger than him, like he's been in the business for a long time. I think he had every right. Nobody was going to plague him for it, but I give him a B. I give him props for speaking his mind like that. But at the same time, I feel like it was a little bit scripted. That's why it doesn't get the A for me, but a solid B. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go A just because even if it's script or not, how well he executed it and how he like, it, we it, here or there we think it's scripted, but he was pissed. I mean, it, even if it was scripted, he had you could see the pure emotion behind it too. He was pissed. He did not like how people actually were shitting on the Super Bowl. I mean, even though it did have one of the lesser ratings, plus NFL was probably wasn't happy if he was just telling people not to watch it if they're gonna bitch about it. But whatever, I'll give it an edge because bravo to Trey Wingo. All right, I give it uh, a minus because that was just pure entertainment. I was laughing, like, I was laughing uncontrollably the first time I listened to it. But, uh, yeah, so that was about it. Now, last topic, Nick Foles, of course, bought out his one-year buyout with the Eagles. He had to pay him $2 million today. There are now rumors circulating that the Giants are going to try to make a run at him. I, I, I don't even know what, like, how to start this. I mean, I guess we grade the uh, – what would – Great that situation. Nick Foles going to New York as much as it makes me want my skin want a curdle. But uh, as a, as a diehard lifelong Eagles fan, but like I would, I'll start off I guess. And first off, like I look at it like this: the Giants. The whole rumor doesn't make sense to me because the Giants, who have struggled with quarterback play for the last, I don't know, since the Bowdens did with uh, Odell, have hmm. not been able to get anything together. Eli's been the problem in their offense, not the solution. And yet they can't take him off the field because of the respect they have for him. Why would you bring in the rival team's hero? To me, this whole rumor is just New York Giants being the New York Giants. And it's why the Eagles and the Cowboys are going to run this division for the next 20 years. Because this team can't get out of their own way still. But I I give it a a D minus. What do you all think? Go ahead, Jack. Um, to me, again, Nick Foles, I'm shocked uh, they didn't trade him last year. I mean, they yes. comes in for Carson Wentz. Um, did, looked very shaky at first during those final regular season games in 2017. Turns it on in the postseason, proves everybody uh, wrong, wins Super Bowl MVP, becomes the first guy since Eli Manning, or first guy besides Eli Manning to beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. Comes back this year as the backup to Wentz. Wentz gets hurt again. Goes lights out again, gets out beat by Drew Brees, outperformed by Drew Brees in the divisional round. Uh, to me, rumors of him going to the Giants, as a, 
I'm a Cowboys fan, but as a Giant fan. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that about wraps up. And by dang, God. But to me, if I were a Giants fan, I'd be intrigued by this. I mean, he's a guy who's proven, like, he was, like, he even admittedly himself said he was, like, this close to quitting uh, the National Football League because he really had nothing left, you know? And then he comes back, wins the Super Bowl. He's been lights out ever since. To me, it's a lot better than bringing back Eli Manning. Eli Manning, to me, I feel like is done. I feel like, but I also feel like uh, as long as John Mara's in charge, I feel like Eli Manning's their quarterback. Because Ben McAdoo had the balls to take Eli Manning out for one game, and then they let him go, and Eli was right back in there. So to me, you get a guy like Nick Foles to come come in and at least light a fire under this team in a division, you never know in the NFC East, to be honest. The Cowboys, to me, are they're ten and six, then they're three and thirteen. They're thirteen and three, and then they're four and twelve. The Eagles, on the other hand, have had two good back-to-back years. To me, they had a slow start this year, just barely made the playoffs, turned it on the playoffs. But to me, Nick Foles in a Giants uniform, I, I'd be excited about that. So I give that, uh, I give it a B minus. I'm gonna give it a B plus because it makes like regardless of if you have this, I guess how you say the there would be Eagles would be pissed if he went there. Like Nick Foles doesn't owe shit to the city of Philly. He won the Super Bowl. He still got disrespected. People were still telling him like, all right, we have our guy Carson. And the Giants know that he'd be playing every time he plays the Eagles, he'd be playing out of his mind or playing like – then again, we don't know – we know Nick Foles under pressure when he has nobody behind him. We don't know Nick Foles when he's the starter and it's his team. I don't know. I'm going to be plus. I don't think he's going to go to the Knicks. I don't think Nick Foles would try to sabotage or even not I – mean, it's not sabotaging, but go to New York. I think he'll end up in Jacksonville if – the Eagles don't franchise them and try to trade them, do whatever they have to do. But either way, I'm going to be plus. I don't know. I think it's a bunch of hoop lodge because season's over and they're just trying to start the pot still. All right. I think it's a, the. Uh, I think it's just the NFL trying to stay relevant right now. All right, that wraps up the report card, fellas. Let's talk some baseball. So Jack, first off, we got to talk Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. What the hell is going on? <laughs> I'm I'm baffled by it. To be honest, I have, a, I have a theory, and I've talked about this at length, that this is the Major League Baseball teams having enough of these lucrative contracts. I knew eventually growing up that there was going to be a referendum with the, the A-Rod deals, the Zach Rankies, which is just so – the Carlos Delgado deals. They're paying out the wazoo for players that are going into their 30s. Now, these two young guys who are just finishing their rookie deals – are like, all right, where's our money? And the MLB is kind of putting their foot down. I mean, it worked for the Red Sox this year with, J- with uh, J.D. Martinez, but I'm looking at this. Am I wrong here saying that the, maybe the team just had enough of overpaying for guys? Oh, yeah, they definitely learned their lesson. I mean, the Yankees learned their lesson with A-Rod. Angels definitely regret that deal with Pujols. Hmm. I don't even want to get into the Mariners and Robbie Cano. Poor them. Uh, but, again, teams are smarter now. Uh, I feel like teams should, especially since we're literally a week removed from spring training, guys have already reported. Um, I feel like more guys like the Machados and the Harpers 
if they're not getting their 10-year, $300 million deals, which, by the way, is ridiculous to even fathom upon that, but for them, if they want to get signed and get signed now, and even at this point not make a decision that they're going to regret, I say sign a two-year, three-year deal worth $40, $50 million a year. That way you're getting your massive payday, and at the same time going back out on the market when you're 28, 29 years old, still fresh, looking for another big deal. Yeah, I think the days of these, I actually agree with that strategy completely. And <clears throat> Mark, I'll just get to it in a second. For me, if I'm a Chato, who's like 26 or 27, like 23 or 24, Harper's 24, I'm like, shit, I'll take a four a four year deal right now. Like I'll go to like a like a, a, a team that's gonna be like, all right, you know, we'll throw you four years, x amount of dollars that hits your quota, but like we're not paying you 10 years. Like it's not the NFL. Like, most of these guys' careers aren't ruined from stepping the wrong way on the plate. And to me, I think the pay scale is a little off with these position players. Yeah, they pay 162 days a year, but at the same time, like, they're not worth the exorbitant amount of cash they're handed for what the teams are getting out of them. And, I, I mean, this all co- also comes in that you're talking about teams being smart with the sabermetrics and everything and wins above replacement. And, yes, Harper and Machado are up there. And your boy, uh, Mike Trout as well. But the thing is, like, I'm looking at it like this. If I, I okay, I'm a Diamondbacks fan. Let's say my Diamondbacks, some my some miracle throw a deal at Harper, who I want. I don't want Machado anywhere near my Diamondbacks after how what he did in L.A. because he was a completely different player. But I would be like, all right, I want a four-year deal because in four years, I don't want my Diamondbacks being stuck with one of these cranky Tomas deals where I'm paying exorbitant amount of money for a guy to stay in our minor leagues or just to play mediocre baseball if he, his career falls off. So it works for the team and the player because if the player doesn't like where he's playing, he's not stuck there unhappy destroying the clubhouse. I don't know, Mark, what do you think? I think this, this is a very strange situation. I've never – I mean, baseball, usually you hear about I, – I, I mean, from the most part, my experience, I feel like you hear a guy and he's in talks with this team. Next thing you know, you see this massive contract, and that's all she wrote. This one is different. Um I personally believe that these both of these guys already know where they're going. For some reason, they're just holding out. I don't know why. I don't like. I don't know why Bryce Harper would meet with the uh, the Padres for them to offer him that crazy contract that nobody else is going to offer him. But I mean, I'm pretty optimistic too, just because a Phillies fan, and I've heard he's, he's going to go there like six times, and now he's not, and now he is. I don't know. But yeah, I think it's it's weird for baseball. I mean, you got like names that are were pretty relevant in this free agency that weren't even heard of. And we're all just sitting here waiting to hear what the outcome is. I think it would be wild if, because if you get the teams like the Yankees or something to pull off something insane, then everyone's just pissed and they'd rather the two not decided or something. But I don't know. And you haven't, you don't hear anything from them. All you do, like that's the weird thing is that's why baseball is so much different. Basketball, you'd be hearing about where these guys want to go, what's going to happen. But baseball is a different breed, man. And to me, I don't I'm not going to believe anything until it actually happens anymore. Dan Clark ruined the MLB free agent trade rumors for me. That is very uh, true. Like, I'm not I'm not going to be mad if Manny Machado signs elsewhere. But the fact that I was told that he was coming to the Yankees and now he's not, it, it just breaks my heart. But I, I laid down a proper like, just think about this and tell me what you guys think about this. What if the MLB. um 
made something to where it was like, okay, at the MLB winter meetings, like the winter meetings used to be like the huge free agent signing event like that. You at least get a couple of guys to sign this, this year, the biggest free agent splash was probably Robbie Cano and uh, Diaz, the Mets, something along those lines. There really hasn't been that many like Machado, Harper, Keuchel. They're still real Mudo. They're still all out there to me. If you um, if the MLB really wanted to spice things up and get this all out of the way, regardless if the players obviously the players should get what they deserve money wise. But I say have the MLB winter meetings, whether it's in mid-December, mid-January, wherever you want to make it, have that be the deadline for all free agents to sign. That way, that entire week is just a star studded event where everybody's trying to sign. Whether like like down to the final two minutes, you got a guy like Harper or Machado who has to sign somewhere, regardless yeah. of what type of deal it is. If it's eight years, two fifty, or whether it's one year, eighty five million. See, you know? the only thing I'm trying to think about that is, is that what happens if they don't? Exactly. I mean, Which if is- you if you do that, if you set that bar, I mean, you can't. I mean, it would be insane if that was a situation, and like if you don't sign with the team, like. The only only issue with that, which I think would be awesome, I would love it to happen because it would make it entertaining as hell watching these guys uh, decide on where they want to go. But they can't if they don't get signed on that day. It's not like oh next week they're not allowed to play baseball. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that's the thing. They would have to sign regardless of what they like. Obviously, they go into it. They want the big lucrative deal. But if they if they're like literally minutes away from not being able to sign, they'll just take a one or two year contract somewhere. Yeah. Uh, get get their money, like I said, sign a one-year deal for a lot for that year. But at the same time, you're fresh for the next offseason or whether two or three years down the road while you're still in your 20s. But regardless, you still have to sign somewhere so fans can anticipate. And even for the players, like minus J.D. Martinez, you can't get ready halfway through spring training or even three-quarters the way through uh, spring training. I feel like they need to know where they are, gather their – like, like, just get their shit together before spring training starts and then get going. Especially so, in a sport like baseball, too. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I have a, also that we have seen that Rob Manfred is not afraid to advance baseball. He's not like Bud Selig, who's kind of kept it like a good old boys club. One thing I noticed about Manfred, right off the bat, he's not afraid to, like, you know, speed the game up. So I feel like Jack, your old theory about giving them a deadline to sign the winter meetings, even if they want to move the winter meetings back to mid January, like, that would be great because now, oh, look. Manford would drop that deadline, but now teams have to take that one-year deal, and that's now a possibility because he's not afraid to like say, you know what, this is wrong. We're going to start losing money because of this. Let's bring like, let's make a deadline for these guys to sign. So I, I completely agree with you. All right, um, uh, we'll, we're almost out of time today, but quick thing, Jack, who are your MVP front runners for this year? Do you think in the AL and NL? AL and NL. AL. It's completely biased, but a full year of a healthy 6'7", 285-pound Aaron Judge wins the AL MVP, no doubt in my mind. I, I would agree. I think that the fact – the only reason Betts won – oh, wait. Betts or Martinez win? Betts, yeah. Okay, Betts won. Okay, I, I, for some reason I was down on myself for a second. But the only reason they won is because Judge was on a tear, then he goes down with injury. I think – Another year with Stanton in New York, he's not used to it a little more. I think you guys are going to take a serious haymaker shot at Boston. It's going to be beautiful to watch, watching all those Red Sox fans suffer. But 
Yeah, no, what do you got? NL, I'm going to go with, I mean, not a sleeper pick, but a guy who probably not too many people would think of. Uh, I'm going to go Anthony Rizzo. Really? I feel like he has a, like, he always has potential to have monster years. I feel like this is the year he takes off at Wrigley. I feel like the Cubs uh, are going to take another step forward this year. There's been rumors that Chris Bryant's going to be leaving once his contracts are up or they're even going to trade him. I don't know why that happened. I don't know what's going on with them. But I feel like Anthony Rizzo in Wrigley Field, he's had a few great years. This year, I feel like he's in the prime of his career now. He's really going to take off this year. See, you know, it's so funny. I look at Anthony Rizzo. My boy Javi Baez is the first one of the Cubs I look at. He's See, guys who play baseball like him are my favorite just because it's all fun and hustle. But uh, I don't know. For the NL, I almost look you, – you have to consider if – I, I almost want to throw in where if Bryce stays in the NL, he's got to be easily close to the favorite just because I think, you know, the first year for agency, he's one of those guys who would prep to be like to have an MVP season and not have a left down because he's such a workhorse and he's not like one of those guys who like slacks off. He'll run down the line full speed, et cetera, et cetera. So I got to say Bryce is my pick in the AL. I completely agree with you. Judge Mark, what do you got? Um, for AL, I I want to say, oh my God, it's tough because Mookie Betts and when, like you were saying he was on the Red Sox, or whatever. Like the man's a freak. I don't get it. He's t- he's not the biggest dude in the world. He can drop bombs. He makes every play he needs to in the outfield. Uh, I think it's gonna be uh, the AL will come out. It the it'll be in the Red Sox, the Yankees. Just like you were you were saying, Jack was saying, NL though. I feel like this is going to kind of be like the uh, Russell Westbrook effect. I know it's about basketball, but DeGrom had that insane year. If he does that again, he will win not only the Cy Young, but he will win the MVP. Okay, so he's going pitcher style. Yep, because, right. dude, it's like when Russ did all what he did that one year, didn't get the MVP because uh, I think Steph got it or whoever got it, and then – Following year, did the same exact thing, got the MVP. I said, no, if DeGrom. That's my man crush on Russell Westbrook. I wasn't saying anything bad about him. I'm just saying, is if DeGrom does what he did last year, he's going to win the MVP. It's going to be like, finally, he got what he deserved. All right. I'm surprised DeGrom and Syndergaard are still, are still Mets. That bewilders me beyond belief. Yeah. I, I hope I they if I hope for their career sakes, they're on the deadline, they're on the block by the deadline. But all right, Jack. Thank you for coming on, my man. It no was problem. great to have you. Looking forward to uh, having you possibly come on a little Maybe during the All-Star break, we'll talk a little more baseball then. But, uh, yeah, that about wraps it up, guys. Thank you. I want to thank Jack O'Hare for coming on. And uh, last call is next. All right, we want to thank our man Jack O'Hare for coming on today. Check out his podcast, 50 Booking. Great thing to listen to. Of course, I talked about before he had Jack and uh, Jerick Robbs come on from Barstool. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for last call. And Mark, that was my own that? version. Of the, that was my own version of the jazz music. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I'm actually gonna keep that because that was just so terrible. I think it's good for bloopers. Um, so there's no blooper. I, there was, was no blooper. It was no blooper. It was beautiful music. So, Brian Windhorst today, when he was on The Jump, which honestly is one of the few ESPN shows I actually can watch and not feel sick to my stomach. And the fact that I'm actually on their shortlist for a position 
He's really terrifying. I hope he never listens to this podcast. The thing is, he talked about today with T-Mac and Rachel Nichols that the picture we all saw of LeBron sitting at one end of the bench and everybody else sitting about four seats removed from him. And Brian Winters brought up the Pelicans played psychological warfare with the Lakers, and since all the Lakers players are pissed at LeBron. And I, and you know, as as I, as you guys know, I am a frequent gym goer. And in the locker room, I was talking with my boys. He was asking about this, and I said, "Listen, we're coming to a point where players don't want to play with LeBron as much anymore. Like playing with LeBron isn't what it used to be. Because now you're seeing, unless you're one of his boys, he'll screw you over whenever he wants to. Unless you're J.R. Smith or Tristan Thompson, or like whoever, he'll still throw you under the bus. He doesn't give a shit. So the thing is." The, the Pelicans, by releasing whatever the hell the Lakers offered, just completely threw a frag grenade in the Lakers' team chemistry. And to me, I look at it like this. The trade deadline in the NBA is so weird compared to football. Football, everything is all black ops, redacted documents, and then you hear about it the second it pops up. The Ajahi trade two years ago, we got him. I didn't even hear about it until... I actually saw the train go down. I got an update on my phone. I was like, oh my God, we got my favorite non-Eagle on the Eagles. But in baseball, it's very similar. Everything's very low. Everything's under the table. Basketball, and I I, I talked about this at length before, how basketball is going to have a culture shock eventually because this player force culture is going to bite them in the ass eventually. And you see it right now. Anthony Davis demanding where he wants to go. LeVar Ball saying his son wants to play in Phoenix. LeBron saying, Let, let's, let's, LeBron has John saying, we want to get rid of these ex players. These players don't want to be around LeBron no more. It's not good for anybody on the Lakers because it just bit them in the ass because now I don't have AD at the deadline. We were talking about how the Pelicans aren't going to have them. We talked about the Celtics before we had Jack on about how they offered up half their players. If I'm Jason Tatum, I'm like, shit, y'all about to give me up Pelicans? Possibly for Jason Tatum, for Anthony Davis? But fuck. Like, I'd be pissed as hell. So, (coughs) sorry. To me, (coughs) going forward, this hurts team chemistry. Mark, what do you think? I think you got everything nailed there. I think that you said the, the, the problem is... The NBA is definitely player-driven, and... It's killing them. Yeah, but I don't know. They, they just have to learn how to... I mean, fine's not going to do shit, basically. Oh, I'm not talking about fine. I'm talking about, like, eventually, like, things like this are going to keep hurting them. So, like, if I'm going forward, <clears throat> let's say I'm a franchise who wants a star player... <clears throat> Now let me clear my throat. <laughs> Listen, if folks, if you haven't figured out by now, from an interview with Jack or now, I'm getting over being sick. So I sound like my voice is going through a meat grinder. But <laughs> good reference, by the way. <laughs> let me clear my throat. <laughs> so all I'm saying is that going forward, the NBA's got a problem. He's going like they can't keep doing this. Like, you saw what this did to a team's chemistry. And basketball is so team chemistry-laden. It's not like baseball, where A-Rod and Jeter can hate each other four seasons and still win a title. It, 
or in, in the NFL where like offense and defense cannot get along with the Seahawks and still win a, a Super Bowl. So at the end of the day, the NBA's got to realize it's a it's a free flowing sport, like hockey. They have to figure it out. They can't keep doing this because this Anthony Davis trade or not trade at this point. <clears throat> we are losing wow, you, bud. My voice is getting worse. <laughs> we are and losing worse. him, folks. We are losing him. <laughs> actually, I'm actually getting better, which is the funniest part. It's just, dude. It, it, I can't wait to hear this whole thing play out too because you started off strong the interview was pretty raspy and now we are just we are at our the bottom of the barrel or whatever so i mean like there. i mean my voice come out it's like half in and out but i mean it's just i'm at the listen folks i've been fighting this off since since monday our first episode and it's it's at its end tomorrow will be friday of course and of course i'll post it then but all i'm saying is that the nba cannot continue this he's going forward when you look at how this affects team chemistry for multiple teams, it's not good. Like, I'm happy my Timberwolves didn't even make a run at Davis because our team chemistry is just rebounding after that scumbag Jimmy Butler left. So why the hell would I want Colin, I would want Anthony Davis saying, oh, I want to play for Minnesota. That's the Towns. I wouldn't want that either until like, we get it next year when everyone's going to throw an offers at the Pelicans and they can't fuck anybody over. So that's my opinion. Yeah, I think you you nailed it. Uh, I just think they have to do something like extreme, like Jack was talking about the interview with baseball, like have an absolute deadline sign, or they got to say, like, they can't. I just think he must have said it in house. That's all I'm saying. If he didn't say it in house first, they didn't trade him, and then he, like, is being a bitch and just wants to say it, like, oh, I'm demanding a trade. Like, it's just annoying, but I I get it, though. I don't think Anthony Davis wants to waste his career in New Orleans. I, I get that. I feel like the New Orleans hasn't been relevant since Chris Paul was there, and then two, I just, it's just, it's just not a good situation. That that franchise, the New Orleans Pelicans, I feel like are a waste. Like New Orleans is a football town. It there shouldn't be a basketball team there. Send that team up to, to um, yeah. Seattle, send it to Hartford, send it to whoever. <laughs> I don't care. Just you just get in New Orleans. They they just don't win. You don't give a shit down there. So the thing is, like, yeah, they grafted Anthony, you grafted Anthony Davis. But they, yeah, oh, God, they got Boogie Cousins. But they had no guards. Oh, God, you play in the low to Western Conference. That leaves me another issue. I think they should just do a 1-16 through 16 thing instead of A from the East, A from the West. Because I can guarantee my Timberwolves, who are the ninth seed right now in the West, would smoke about the one, about the six, seven, eight, and nine seeds in the, West, in the East. So, whatever. But that's all I got today, folks. We want to thank Jack Hoyer for coming on today. It's fun talking a little, doing the report card with him and talking baseball. Mark, you got anything else? No, uh, like I said, football season for now until it's back this weekend with the Alliance football. Stay tuned for a little Alliance talk next week. All right. When Mark glitched out just now, what are you saying was essentially the AAF is coming back. They start this weekend, but you know what, folks? Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Check out, of course, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at, of course, uh, Belly Up Jared and Belly Up Riley. It's changed since our outro. And uh, look forward to some great interviews we've got coming up as well. So, uh, peace.
This episode of The Corner Booth has been brought to you by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Follow your hosts on Twitter at Belly Up Jared and at Mark Riley.